Hi, hi, hi. It's time to hit the math grind. This is After Class, the podcast with Miss Donovan, our week 14 overview. Woo, woo, woo. So, Algebra 1, what are we going over? Well, we did 6 1 and 6 2 for four days. Yeah. For four days. So this is what that entire podcast is going to be. And then at the end, we will go over our assessment because I know that is literally what you all are waiting for. So let's get into the topics. Our mathematician of the week this week was maybe one of the smartest mathematicians of on the whole mathematician of the week roster we've had so far is Sabrina Gonzalez Pasterski. She was born June 3rd, 1993, making her only 27 years old. She's a theoretical physicist from Chicago who studies high energy physics. She describes herself as a proud first generation Cuban American and Chicago Chicago Public School alumna, so she comes from very close to around us. She got her undergraduate degree from the Massachusetts, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT. She earned her PhD from Harvard, and now she is a PCTS postdoctoral fellow at Princeton University. She was the number three trending scientist for all of 2017. She was also named on the Forbes 30 Under 30 science list, named a Forbes 30 Under 30 all-star in 2017, and returned as a judge in 2018 as part of of the Forbes first ever all-female science category judging panel. A fun fact about her, she got a 5.0 out of a 4-point scale at MIT, which is just crazy impressive. At 10, she built an airplane engine at her Chicago home. Um, At 12, she built the entire airplane, and at 14, she took it for a test flight. And something really, really cool about her is that Harvard describes her as the world's next Albert Einstein, which is crazy that we could be living in the same generation as someone with one of the greatest mathematical minds of all time. So that is Sabrina Gonzalez Pasterski, our mathematician of the week for this week. Okay, so let's get started on Monday. On Monday, we started 6-1 in, or 16-1 and 16-2. We had five targets. I can graph linear inequalities in two variables. I can determine if a line should be solid or dashed for a linear inequality. I can determine which way to shade for a linear inequality. And I can interpret the graph of solutions for a linear inequality. And I can write a linear inequality in two variables. On Monday, we really focused on solving linear inequalities. And we went over all our vocab for linear inequalities. So that's what we're going to do. First, remember your inequalities are going to be your um, functions that have greater than, less than, greater than or equal to, and less than or equal to signs in them instead of equal signs. So a linear inequality is a linear function that represents an inequality. So it's going to uh, involve one of those four inequality signs. The function for a linear inequality is exactly like a function for a linear inequality, but it does not have an equal sign. Again, it's going to have one of our four inequality signs. So when you graph linear inequalities, there is a boundary line. The boundary line is the line that separates the coordinate plane into two regions and the solid or dotted line. So it can be solid or dashed. The boundary line splits our graph into two regions. Those regions are called the half planes. So a half plane, um, they are the two regions separated by the boundary line. A closed half plane includes points on the boundary line. So it's a half plane with a solid boundary line. So that'd be for less than or equal to or greater than or equal to inequalities. 
and an open half lane does not include the points on the boundary line. So the half lane has a dotted or dashed line. So it would be a less than or greater than inequality. So those were all of our vocab words. We were looking for solutions of linear inequalities. So that is an ordered pair that makes the inequality true. Um, if it is in the shaded portion of the graph that is a true inequality, if the point falls on a line that is dotted, it is not a solution because that is an open half plane. It is not included in the solution. If the point falls on a line that is solid, then it is a solution. It is a closed half plane. So again, it's going to then be um, included in something as a solution to our linear inequality. There are two ways to solve inequalities graphically. So basically, um, you either uh, I'm either going to give you a point and be like, is this point, you look at the graph, I'm going to, like, you look at the graph and I ask, is this point a solution to the inequality? If it's on a solid line or in the shaded portion, then the answer is yes. If it is in the, in the non-shaded portion, that coordinate point, or on a dotted line, the answer is no. So either that or maybe there will be some points listed in the graph that I will ask you which points satisfy the inequality, which points make it a solution, or which points do not. So again, you're either going to be given a point and asked if it asked to look at the graph and be like, does this solve it? Or you're gonna there's gonna be some points on the graph and you're going to be asked which points um, on this graph that I'm giving you satisfy the inequality or do not. So again, when we're asking for a solution, it makes the inequality true. So it's a coordinate point that makes it true. The other way is algebraically, which you're going to be given a set of uh, coordinate points and an inequality. So an inequality could be like y is greater than 3x minus 2. You would plug in each coordinate point. If when you plugged in the coordinate point, it satisfied the inequality, it made it true, um, then it would be a solution. If it made it false, it would not be a solution. So again, we only have two ways to really solve inequalities. It is graphically, um, so looking at a graph and telling it there, or it is algebraically. And that's all we did on Monday. Okay, so on Tuesday, we looked at graphing. We did graphing for two days. We did graphing on Tuesday and Wednesday. And if you're in seventh hour, we also did it on Thursday. Um, but we really focused on the first day of graphing. We reviewed all the vocab, but we focused on deciding whether or not the line would be solid or dashed and whether it would be shaded above or below. So remember, when we are looking at our solid or dashed lines, it is going to be a dashed line or a dotted line if the linear inequality includes a less than or a greater than sign. So remember, there is no line under the inequality. It is a dotted or dashed line. If the linear inequality includes a less than or equal to and a greater than or equal to sign or a greater than or equal to sign, the boundary line will be solid. Remember, there's a line drawn underneath it, so we'd have a solid line. Remember, shaded above or below, you're going to always have to check because it does not always happen like this. But if it's greater than or greater than or equal to, most of the time you're going to shade it above. If it's less than or less than or equal to, most of the time you're going to shade it below. But again, you really have to pay attention to those because sometimes they, with standard form, don't always work properly. Then we kind of set up some steps. We focus really on graphing um, linear inequalities that look like slope-intercept form and standard form. So when it looked like slope-intercept form, we or we wanted to make it look like slope-intercept form, we followed a few steps. So first, we rearranged the linear inequalities so y is on one side and everything else was on the other. We decided if the line was solid or dashed. 
and then we decided if we thought it would be shaded above or below, then we graphed, and then we should always check and make sure that we shaded the right portion by picking a random point in this shaded area and making sure the inequality was true. So then we went through some graphs. Um, so basically, uh, our first example was y was greater than 2x plus 5. We were asked, was that solid or dashed? That would be a dashed line because it is greater than, it is not greater than or equal to. There is no line under my inequality sign, so it is a dashed line. In my guess, it would be shaded above because y is supposed to be bigger than everything else. But again, you're going to have to check and make sure after you craft that line, the boundary line, to make sure that that is actually true, which usually, again, it is going to be. So then I graphed it like I would graph a normal slope-intercept form. I took 5 because that's the y-intercept, and my slope was 2, and I went up 2 over 1 to the right and down 2 over 1 to the left or down to over one to the left um, and just kind of graph my line. And then I checked the point and I shaded it in above or below. So I did that with every single one of my linear functions. So again, you can either make an input output table when you're graphing those, um, but you can also just use the slope and the y-intercept, which are given to you. Then we talked about how to do them when they're set up like standard form functions. So ax plus by equals c. We first decided if the line was solid or dashed. We decided if we would shade above or below, but again, this is where it kind of gets tricky and we have to check. And then we found the x and y intercepts and we graphed it there. So we, our first example was 2x plus 4y is greater than or equal to 8. So that is greater than or equal to. There's a line under that inequality sign. So my guess is that would be, or not my guess, I know that's going to be a solid line. Next, I'm going to guess that that would be shaded above, but you have to make sure again and check a point from above your boundary line to make sure it works. Then I plugged in 0 for x to find the y-intercept and 0 for y to find the x-intercept. So we did a few standard function forms and then looked at special cases. So when you have y and then an inequality sign and just a number, it's going to be a zero slope. So again, you would either shade above it or below it. And if you have x is greater than the inequality sign in a number, it's going to be an undefined slope. So you would graph it all the, all the same as you would um, when you see slopes like that for linear functions, but again, you would then shade left or right. So if it was less than or less than or equal to, you would shade to the left of the line. If it was greater than or greater than or equal to for the x, you would shade to the right. But we're really going to focus on just kind of uh, graphing our linear equations as well as our standard form ones. So that was the first day of graphing. It is Wednesday, my dudes. Okay, so on Wednesday, we also focused on graphing. It was another day of graphing. Here we looked at point slope form as well. Uh, so you were asked three questions when you were graphing. You were asked solid or dashed, uh, shaded above or below, and which linear function does it look like? Because based on which linear function it would look like, slope intercept form, point slope form, or standard form is how you would graph it. So when we're graphing our point slope, once that look like point slope form, remember you're given a point and the slope. So you go ahead and graph that point, you plot it, and then you use the slope to graph the rest of the line. So again, make sure greater than or less than is a dashed or dotted line. Greater than or equal to or less than or equal to would be a solid line. There's a line underneath it. So again, that is solid. Um, and then when you're doing shaded above or below, you should always check and make sure it is correct that um, if you pick a random point above the line and it makes it true, then yes, um, you will shade it above. But sometimes, um, most of the time, it is going to be what you think when you look at it originally. But sometimes with standard form, it gets a little iffy. So I'm not going to trick you, though, on your assessment, so don't really worry about that specifically, but you should always check.
So we did point slope form where we used our point and then we used the slope and we graphed it from there. Um, or we made it into a slope intercept form and uh, or made it look like slope intercept form. Remember, these are inequalities. They don't have equal signs. Um, and then graphed it like that. We looked at standard form where we found the x-intercept and the y-intercept um, and then graphed those. Um, and then we also did slope intercept form where we took our y-intercept and our slope and graphed it like that. So you always should ask yourself before graphing these, I'm not going to ask you these questions on the test. I'm going to assume you're asking them to yourself on the assessment. Solid or dash, shaded above or below, and what does it look like? Because those three questions are really going to help you before you even start graphing to make sure that your graph looks correct. After that, um, if we got to it, which seventh hour didn't really get to it, but we'll get to it on Thursday. Um, we had a little technical difficulties. We started writing the functions. So we looked at a line of linear inequality and we were like, what do we notice? Is it a solid or a dashed line? Is it shaded above or below? What is the y-intercept of the graph? And is the slope positive, negative, or zero or undefined? From there, we tried to write our inequality. If it is a dashed line, remember it's going to be greater than or the less than sign. If it's a solid line, it's going to be greater than or equal to or the less than or equal to sign. So by just checking what the line is, you can see if it's going to be like that. Then if it's shaded above or below, it's going to help you with which way. Usually if it's shaded above, it's going to be greater than or greater than or equal to. And if it's shaded below, it'd be usually less than or less than or equal to. I'm not, we're not going to really be tested on this, but this is again, just something it's good to know. Um, then we found our y-intercept from our graph and we looked to find the slope and we created functions that were like y or y equals mx plus b, our slope-intercept form. We didn't look at functions in standard form or point-slope form. We kind of focused more on things we were comfortable with. And that's really all we did on Wednesday-Thursday, depending on what class you were in. Um, so let's get into the actual what we were supposed to be doing on Thursday. Okay, just remember Thursday. Thursday. Can you remember Thursday? <laughs> Yeah, so Tuesday? <laughs> Thursday. Look, if you need help remembering, just think of it like this. The third day, all right? Monday, one day. Tuesday, two day. Wednesday, when? Huh? What day? Thursday. <laughs> the third day, okay? So if we look at Thursday, um, we were focusing here on interpreting linear inequalities as well as writing linear inequalities into variables. So we were focusing on word problems actually. So we had a couple word problems. We had about six. Wink, wink, one of these might look familiar on your assessment. And our goal here was to be able to create a linear inequality in standard form because that's the easiest way to do it. Um, that represents a function. So our first example was Gavin is spending, is sending a fancy organic fruit basket to his grandmother for her birthday. Apples cost $1 each and orange costs $2 each. Gavin must stay under his $36 budget for the gift. So we gave um, specific fruits, uh, the uh, like variables, different variables. So we said that X was the number of apples, Y was the number of oranges. We need to add the cost of the number of apples to the number of, number of oranges, and it has to be less than $36 because he has to spend under his budget. So that's really, really important here. He has to spend under. He is not spending. He cannot spend. He can't spend $36. It has to be less than $36. It can be $35.99, but as soon as it hits $36, it is not something he can do. 
So that's how we kind of divided the signs. So again, we looked at the stipulation to the specific problems. Here, he had to stay under his budget. If it said he needed to, uh, he needed to spend $36 or less, it would be that the inequality would be less than or equal to 36. But here, no, it said he had to stay under it. So we were looking there again at what sign would be used based on the stipulation. And then our variables, um, x was for apples. So since it was a dollar for apples and two for oranges, you would add those together. Um, and we don't know how many apples and oranges we are getting per se. So we do one times x plus two times y should be less than 36 because we had to ask the cost of the total. We had to add the cost of the total apples to and oranges together, but we had to stay under 36 dollars. So that is all we were doing. We were taking what the problem was saying and the variables the problem gave us, creating a standard form function. So basically like adding or subtracting those variables together and setting them up our inequality sign um, and then some number. So that's all we were doing. Again, um, we had a few examples. We had about six. One of them is going to look a little familiar on your assessment. Um, so make sure you feel comfortable with those. Okay, so we are into the portion of the episode I know you are all here and all have been waiting for. We are going over our assessment number 14. There is only one section on assessment number 14. For some reason, I called it 12-4, but I'm going to change that before the assessment. It's 16-1 and 16-2. There are a few sections to 16-1 and 16-2, though. Um, so when we are looking at that... Um, Again, we're going to be specifically with the section. So the first section is solving graphically. Um, basically, there's a graph of a linear inequality. I go, is this point a solution to the linear equality? You look at the graph. If it's in the shaded region or on a solid line, you say yes. If it is not in a shaded region, so if it's in the unshaded region or it's on a dotted line, you're going to say no because, again, that is what we learned. So there are three questions for that one graph. Um, so, again, use those. Um, we're using our graphically there. We're literally just looking at the graph. The next little section is solve algebraically. So I'm going to give you a linear inequality um, and a point. And then I'm going to say, is this point a solution to the linear inequality? And you're going to have to plug that point into the linear inequality and say if it's a solution or if it's not a solution. So you get a little box for work. Uh, there's not too much space, but it shouldn't take you too much time or too much space. Uh, the next section is you're going to have two. If it will let me scroll real quick. There we go. You're going to have two questions on how to graph. So you're given one linear inequality that looks like point slope for, or not point slope. It looks like slope intercept form and you're given another linear inequality that looks like standard form. So you need to know how to graph those two ways. And then you need to ask yourself, is the boundary line solid or dashed? And should I be shading above or below? So again, always check the shaded above or below, but it's really going to help you if you ask yourself those things before you start. So again, when you graph a uh, slope intercept, I would use the y intercept and then go it's rise over run. So if it's a fraction, the numerator is what, whether you go up or down. The denominator is what you go side to side. For standard form, you're going to solve for the x-intercept and the y-intercept and plot those two points. Again, make sure that you are looking specifically at um, 
uh, if it's dotted or if it's solid because you're not going to get full credit for that um, per se if you get it wrong. Um, again, as I was saying, that's a really important section of our linear inequality because it represents the graph is wrong if you pick um, the wrong dotted or dashed line or you shade it wrong. The last question is you're going to get one question asking you to write an inequality in standard form that describes the situation and use the given numbers in the following variables. This question is going to look similar, very, very similar to something we did on Thursday. So if you're paying attention, wink, wink, to what we did on Thursday or maybe go back to it, um, you're going to have an easy time. You're going to be given what the x value should be um, as well as what the y value should be. So you really just need to go ahead and read the situation and be like, um, okay, so my x value here, um, how much, what is my x value? Am I adding it or subtracting it to my y value? And is it going to be greater than, less than, greater than or equal to, or less than or equal to another number? So again, uh, usually you're going to add or subtract your x and y values, um, and then it's going to be the inequality assigned to a number. So it is not a very long assessment. I guess it's kind of long, but the first six problems shouldn't take you that long at all. It's just solving, then two graphs, and one one um, word problem. And this might be the first word problem you've ever had on an assessment. So that is it for assessment number 14. If you have any questions about it, you should definitely stop by office hours or email me. Um, before this test is preferably better, uh, but I'm available almost all the time, so just let me know. So that is going to be it for After Class Podcast. We went through 16.1 and 16.2, um, all four days of it that we did. So we solved the first day, we graphed the middle two days, and then the last day we did word problems. Make sure you turn in your week 14 homework. It is a Google forum, and I just posted the Google forum. So if you were doing the problems and you turned it in as a PDF, that does not count. You need to turn it in as a Google forum. Um, other than that, if you have questions, you can stop by my office hours from 2.10 to 3 o'clock, or you can email me. But I guess that's it and I will see you in class.